welcome to the Driving Your Marketing Podcast, where small business entrepreneurs come discover the strategies, systems, and tools to kick their marketing into high gear. If you want to go from surviving small business owner to thriving entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get ready to roll. All right, welcome everybody. This is Eli Delaney, creator of the Driving Your Marketing Podcast, and we are here with another fun show. The whole reason why I do this show is to help you, the small business owner, the solopreneur, the mom and pop business owner, get out there, get your marketing out there, get your message out there, and have more fun while you're at it. Because let's face it, when you actually ask people, do you like marketing? Most people say no, because they think it has to be complicated, expensive, freaky out, uh, overwhelming. I've heard just about every excuse in the book. And quite honestly, a lot of marketers out there kind of put that impression out there. And that is my job to alleviate that and get it so you understand that marketing really is a fun thing once you get into it. And so what I do is I interview people from all over the world, people that I meet at conferences, people that I've connected with online, and you know, basically bring in their stories, some of the things that they're working on, things that they're doing. And today I've got Eleanor Stutz. She is the CEO of Smooth Sale, and she does. She's a keynote speaker at conferences. She's the author of three books: Inspired Business, A New Vision for Building Business and Communities, Nice Girls Do Get the Sale, Relationship Building That Gets Results, and Hired. How do you use sales techniques to sell yourself on interviews? So, Eleanor, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me as your guest. It's an honor, Eli. I really appreciate the time. And you and I had a really cool conversation the other day. And, you know, some of the stuff that you are doing, your story, your background, really, really got me. My juices flowing. I was like, you know what? She's going to be a lot of fun, and she's going to be able to teach our audience some really cool stuff. So, first off, Share a little bit about your backstory. How did you get started? Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to and how you got where you are now. Oh, sure. I was a stay-at-home mom for 15 years, and then one day my husband said I belong in sales, to which I said, what? And the only job I could get without any experience was to sell an unknown brand to copier door-to-door. This was in the early 90s. The men didn't want me, and I couldn't quit because I wanted to be a good role model for my teenage children. And by just doing what I was supposed to do I and without knowing a thing about sales because I was nice to everyone and asked why I was invited in, I became the top producer. So I held that title for 11 years. And then after a fateful accident one night where I had a broken neck, I arose to the occasion that it was time to start giving back to communities and that I would teach people how to sell and do everything that's uh, included in that process. And I began my business, Smooth Sale, and I've been doing it for 12 years and never had so much fun. Awesome. I love that. And I love your approach to it because let's face it, when it comes to sales, sales and marketing, I, I think are, are they're two separate creatures, but they're very intertwined. They're like two sides of the same coin. And I know when it comes to marketing and very much in sales as well, that People tend to shy away from sales. They don't want to be known as a salesperson. They don't want to be salesy. And a lot of that goes back to the mindset that sales has to be pushy, has to be sleazy. You always 
have that stereotypical concept of the used car salesman, that kind of stuff. And you've really, you know, busted the barrier on that whole concept. So explain that a little bit more. Yeah, actually, I, I had the same impression. I actually asked my husband, is it a compliment or an insult when you say I have a sales personality? Um, that was what I held in my mind. And then when I became an entrepreneur years later, uh, there were one of two reactions to me when I announced I was a sales trainer at a networking event. The men laughed at me thinking a woman couldn't possibly know enough about sales, and the women ran away from me shrieking, thinking I was manipulative. But the fact of the matter is why I became a top producer the fourth month without knowing anything about what I was selling or how to sell is that very fact. I went in and I had the client-to-be train me. I asked why I was invited in what they were looking for, what was important to them. I even asked how they got their job so I'd know how to interview better and get my next job. So eventually it all tied together. But I do what I call the anti-sale. I go in, ask questions and listen and clarify to really understand what's on the other person's mind. And then I become a trusted advisor and that's what it takes to make the sale. People have to know you, like you, and trust you. And that makes all the difference in the world. Right. And I and I love that. And that's and that is so, so true. And you, you just said, you know, they have, people have to know, like, and trust you. I like to call that the KLT factor. And it is so critical, especially in today's world, because let's face it, people in today's world are a lot more they're a lot more gun shy to hire somebody or to buy a product, um, product or service than they ever have been in the past. And the reason for that is because there are so many shady people out there. And when you make that shift to becoming the trusted advisor, and I love that definition because, you know, that's one of the things that I talk about quite often is we don't, we don't have customers, we have clients because clients hire you to be their trusted advisor. A customer just gives you cash for something. There's a very different mindset between it. I think you got that really dialed in with that one phrase, become a trusted advisor for them. Thank you. And you know what? There's one other phrase that's traditional that I never cared for, and I think it goes in, in the same area of conversation. Most people use the word close in relation to close the sale. And my mm -hmm. thinking is, you don't want to close anything. You want to open up more doors. So the whole idea is to get repeat business referrals and testimonials. So I omit that word in my conversation with people. I love that. And that is so, so powerful because if you think about it, that is, you know, it's one of the things any sales trainer out there just about. Uh, I mean, obviously you've, you've broken the mold on that because of the fact that so many other sales trainers it is, okay, how do we close more? How do we close more sales? Go for the close. I mean, you hear that all the time. And you, again, you just shifted the mindset and the thought process behind it to we're not closing anything. We're opening the door because we want that customer to know, like, and trust us. We want them to love us and we want them to come back and buy more products and services because we've done so much to help them. 
And, of course, that also turns it into a referral standpoint because I know that if I do a great job helping a client, what ends up happening is that clients are willing to, you know, do the whole word-of-mouth thing and rave about my products and services and how I treated them, which then in turn brings in more customers. Absolutely. And uh, and that's where marketing and sales tie in together because it's all that word of mouth that's, you know, is it marketing, is it sales? It's both. Right. And let's talk about that for a minute. How does how would you say, you know, you and I have talked about this with marketing and sales being hand in hand, but how would you say that they do work together but are different creatures? Well, in my mind, and you can correct me if you like, marketing, generally speaking, precedes sales. So it's how people perceive you in in every sense, whether it's written, in person, online, on the phone. So it's how they perceive mm-hmm. you, how you message. And at the same time, marketing translates to those referrals and testimonials. So then where, where's the line? It is selling for you. They become your sales force if you do everything well. And so it's a complementary venture sometimes crosses over and sometimes there's a clear distinction. I think their marketing strategies, you know, like you might see on occasion a landing page or, you know, what social media is that marketing? Sure it is, but in some sense it's selling too because it attracts Mm -hmm. people to buy. Right. And one of, you know, one of my, one of my mentors, Joe Polish actually came out with, I think it, and I don't know if he actually came out with, but I know he's the one that I heard this from was that, that sales is what you do face to face or over the phone to, to give somebody a product or service that helps them and, you know, solves a solution or gives them a solution to a problem that they have. Marketing is everything you do to get that face to face or phone call. And I think that that's a really good way to look at it, too. Yeah, that absolutely. But they definitely, you have to have both. You can't avoid one. <laughs> yeah, and and right. that's where I fell down. I had to, when I realized that that networking event, that I was causing so much chaos just from my one message, I made a commitment to begin devouring marketing materials so I could start learning more about it. And that made the biggest difference in my entrepreneurship. Right. And that is so cool. And I, and I love that you share that because so many people, they, they limit themselves in their learning capabilities and they, they think that they know more than they do. I know quite a few sales people, you know, people that are in the profession of sales, whether it be selling a product or people that are other sales trainers like yourself, that literally they know sales inside and out, but they, they really don't know marketing. And a lot of times they have a hard time differentiating the two and they think that their sales process is their marketing when the two have to be talked, you know, they have to be looked at as different creatures that both work together 
And I know some sales trainers that literally I've, I've gone in and actually helped them build some of their marketing systems and their processes in order to get that in place. And then, you know, turn that around. I've actually worked with sales trainers to teach me to become a better salesperson because I'm great at marketing. I'm great at systems. I know the ins and outs. I know how to create squeeze pages and follow up systems and all this crazy stuff that's out there. I know how to do ton of social media marketing and all the stuff that's out there. But sales is a is actually my lesser point. And so I've actually gone out and got that training in order to expand my skills on it. So I think you and I have both gone through some of the same paths just on the opposite sides. And I have to commend you for the fact that you've actually you saw that and you, you took it in. Yeah, it looks like we met in the middle, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I and I love that. And that's why I, why I like having people like you on the show is because, you know, we we have that those kind of connections. We've all been through those pieces. And I think it's really important for our listeners to to realize that even those of us that are experts in our our arena or our industry, we're always learning. And I think that that's really, really powerful to keep in mind that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been in business. It doesn't matter what kind of business you have. You have to stay in that learning curve no matter what. And one of the, one of the great stories I loved to share was years ago. It was back in, I think, 2008. I was at a conference, and I met Jay Conrad Levinson. He is the, the author of the Gorilla Marketing. And so if you've heard the term guerrilla marketing, he's the guy who wrote the book and created the franchise and, you know, the most widely known term related to marketing out there. And he was at the conference. And um, I actually got a chance to talk to him. And I was, I was really confused because I didn't see that he was speaking. So I was confused as to why he was there. And so I went up and started talking to him and asked him. And he's like, well, here's the deal is that I am, you know, I may know marketing and I've, you know, I created guerrilla marketing. But this whole Internet marketing thing is moving very, very fast. And I know that if I don't keep up with it, you young whippersnappers are going to kick my butt. <laughs> and that was that is what he said. Actually, you know, it wasn't quite what he said. He was a little bit more graphic than I was, but you get the gist. And that was such a powerful lesson for me to realize. And this was when he was 70 years old. And unfortunately, we recently just lost him. Um, it was a really sad day. But it, it was one of the things that probably one of the most powerful lessons I ever got in my life. Well, you know what? I had a similar experience, except I was in the middle of it. I was, uh, in fact, I had created my own networking group when we moved to a new small town. And one day, the, the market had just collapsed, and one day I announced to the group that I was going to stop all in-person networking for, you know, a, a short while because uh, it was quite expensive. And I had an opportunity to learn all about social media that was brand new at the moment. And I wanted to know more about it, learn the better techniques. A marketing expert was teaching it, and I needed to take advantage of it. To which the entire room said to me, you're going to lose everything. You'll never be able to recapture what you have built. You're crazy. Social media will never take off. And the list went on and on. <laughs> well... Sometimes you need to take a calculated risk 
and you need to put yourself in the forefront ahead of the curve. And that's exactly what happened. And today I enjoy very large networks, and you mentioned earlier that's how you and I met. I had so many wonderful opportunities come from taking that leap of faith. You just have to do it on occasion, and you have to keep learning. You know, sure, maybe it would never have worked out, but at least I would have known about it and understood why it didn't work out and perhaps myself discover something that would work better. But in this instance, it worked out beautifully. Right, and that is so cool. I love that because I've actually gone through a bit of that same transformation as well with the difference between local networking and more online networking or networking at conferences and things like that. It is a different mindset, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that has, you know, I see a lot of people that are going through the same thing, and I I like to always tell people, it's like, you've got to stop and think about it. Where are your clients actually coming from? Because a lot of times we do a lot of networking and it's great because it's social but we're not actually getting business if we actually add up how much is it costing us to go to lunch once a week versus how much income we're getting and how many clients we're getting in the door from it a lot of times we realize that actually that's not a good use of our time and so the fact that you went through that transition as well is is really powerful i really appreciate you sharing that with us because what is i mean let's let, i'm going to ask you this what is this that that done for your business what has what done for my business? Moving from the the local networking to doing more online and social and things like that. Oh, it, it's just been phenomenal. To begin with, I was asked to contribute to a dozen other books and speak at many conferences, one of which was in San Francisco where Susie Orman headlined the stage. That never would have happened without social media. But then it's progressed. I've slowly but surely built what you could almost, what you could term a global business. This Russian company uh, is in charge of finding professors at our leading universities because they want Western thought for their Russian clientele, mm-hmm. and so they've been filming. Professors at Wharton, Harvard, MIT to deliver their business seminars. And then they found me online and they filmed me providing a sales training seminar. And so I'm in front of their Russian corporate clients now. I'm getting interviews around the world. That's what social media has done for my business. That is awesome. I love that. And it shows that we don't have to get stuck inside of our box. You know, you've gotten out to the point. I mean, how cool is that, that you're, you're doing sales training for you know, Russian corporations? I have to say that that is awesome. And I, I have some clients that are overseas in a couple of different areas, but it's not even that big. So, so looking at that, like, that inspires me to get out there and do even more. And I have to tell you, I had an interview with a Brazilian station. And once this took hold, I contacted him to ask, would there be an opportunity of something similar in Brazil? So, you know, we're brainstorming it together now. I, I love travel. So if I can mix business and travel, that's the best of all worlds for me. So your idea starts start churning when you're willing to take risks, try something new, particularly the things that people tell you will never work. Those are the ones you should go after and see what happens. I love the entrepreneurial spirit of it all. 
Right. I love that. Now, you know, if we don't mind, can we ask how are you um, how are you getting some of those? What are some of the things you're doing? Because I always like to do actionable steps with everybody. So for you to get out there, you're, you said you're using social media to find some of these other um, other avenues to get your interviews and to get you know these kind of speaking gigs and stuff. What are some of the tactics that you're using behind that? Well, there are a couple avenues. First of all, I do have published books on the market, and on occasion, mm-hmm. a publisher might hand me an interview. There's a um, website you can subscribe to, radioguestlist.com, and daily you'll be emailed a list of people that are looking to interview guests, and you mm-hmm. pick the category that speaks to your expertise. Right. And then there's Haro, where uh, help a for help a reporter out, where it's the written word. Mm-hmm. I also contribute to personalbrandingblog.com weekly, and now they have associations with many wonderful sites, including U.S. News and World Report. And my articles are beginning to go there as well. Um, on social media, if you want a couple things, Twitter was my first, and I love Twitter because it's quick and efficient. Create a very long list of tweets, most of them without any link, and then 25 to 30% of the time, a tip with a short link. And these tweets really are your marketing samples. When people relate to what you have to say and agree with it, they begin to retweet you and market to their friends and associates. And that's where most of my initial offers came about was through Twitter. And then you can look for ways to automate your tweets to make it easy because it's hard to be original every day of the year. Right. And on LinkedIn. And then I have to tell you I discovered something new. It probably took me a little longer than, than many is that the apps for Twitter and LinkedIn make it even easier to find people who you have synergy with to connect with. And that's the other thing. You don't connect with people. Don't automatically connect with people just to grow your following and follower. You want to have some synergy, some reason you're connecting with one another. And that's an important key in the sales process is to have highly qualified clients. Just as they qualify you, you want to qualify them. So pick people who uh, you agree with what they're saying because it's a reflection on you too. Does that help? Is that what you're looking for? Most definitely. I love that. And I think that, you know, what you just said, obviously like uh, radio guest list, Haro, those two are ones that I use. That's actually, you know, how I get guests for this show sometimes. And then on top of it, those are the things that I promote out there is I share you know, when somebody has a post or have put something up there and they're looking for a guest, I've been doing a lot of that, and that's getting me a ton of stuff. And you mentioned also having your books. You know, I we just published our first book, um, just literally just before Christmas, and just having that book has already got me two radio shows. Congratulations! So it's very very powerful. Yes, thank you. I love it, and it's a lot of fun. I've also got somebody just last night emailed me and uh, wants me to contribute to her blog as well. So we got, you know, we're getting some momentum with that, and a lot of it is literally because of the book. Even though they haven't even looked at the book yet, they're just seeing that I am a published author. So that is what's making the difference. And these are are all great things to, you know, put these pieces together. And I think that 
you know, you brought up something extremely important that I think everybody really needs to pay attention to is the use of Twitter because let's face it, so many people, especially small business entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, they think that Twitter is a waste of time. They don't get it because it's too simple, honestly, and they don't do anything with it. And Twitter, you want to get related to the media or anybody who's really a lot of the movers and shakers out there, Twitter is the place to connect with them. It's very, very easy. It's very simple. And a lot of times, especially media, that's actually the tool that they use more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, everybody seems to be tuned into it, and it's exciting. <laughs> Some, uh, another technique I was taught was on your home page. Just scan down real quickly and see if there's uh, some type of tip or something you agree with that doesn't have a link attached and you like it, retweet it. Just glance down once or twice a day and you do a few retweets. People appreciate it and start following you. It's just an easy way to get known and start a dialogue. Um, in many cases, I began following people on Twitter and started a conversation. Next thing you know, I was invited to another site where you could post longer messages, and then we emailed, we called, and some we even met in person. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess it's like online dating. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is it is kind of cool because you can start with Twitter and move move over to other other places, even you know email, phone calls, things like that. And I always talk about that as, you know, networking, there's, there's the face-to-face networking, and then what we do, the online networking, which has gotten even so much easier in today's world because not only can you say, you know, you meet somebody, you have something in common, you like their stuff, whatever, you reach out to them, start the conversation, but then you get to that point of, hey, let's chat. And then you end up, you know, you might have that phone call. Or what I love to do is I actually use Skype. And I'll do video Skype calls with people. We do what I call a virtual coffee meeting where we literally get our cup of coffee and then we sit down and we have videos, calls back and forth, which is the next best thing to being face-to-face with somebody. And we have a great conversation and it builds that relationship. Yeah, it's a wonderful idea. I agree with you 100%. Awesome. Very cool. Now, building businesses, you've, uh, you've taken calculated risks on stuff. What are some of the biggest things, you know, what are the biggest game changers that you can talk about in calculated risks? Well, I'm going to share an example with you of what happens when you don't take it. I was sharing with an audience one day about, especially when you're a beginning entrepreneur, it's, it's necessary to say yes to opportunity, of course, it has to be a decent opportunity. And uh, and then if it scares you enough, go get help to get through it. So in my early days, I had spoken to audiences of 25 people. And lo and behold, I was asked to speak at a conference with 600 people with uh, powerful executives in the audience. And I was shaking my boots, but I knew I had to say yes. And then, luckily, a speech coach had seen me deliver to one of the smaller audiences, and I hired her because I figured she'd know where I could improve. She did, and I got on stage in front of the 600 people, 
and I knew I was home free, and I got rave reviews afterward. I was relaying this story to another group, and a lady came up to me afterward and said she's so sorry she hadn't heard that prior because a number of years ago, remember the old Oprah Winfrey TV show that everybody was glued to? Excuse me. She was asked to be mm -hmm. a guest, and she got so scared she said, no, I'm too busy. And, of course, that opportunity never came again, and she regretted it thereafter. Right, and I think that that is, that is a very, very powerful story right there because it amazes me how many people do get scared and – you know, they do shy away from those opportunities that are right there. It's, you know, I am one that's always, if I have an opportunity to get in front of a mic or get in front of a group, I am always there because I know that there's, there's always going to be something good that can come from it. And if nothing else, look at it as experience, you know. So I'm always like, okay, if I have this opportunity, let's do this. And I think that that's really common is that people tend to shy away. They think they're not quite ready yet. Maybe they don't feel like they have enough experience yet. And I think we should, we should talk about that for a second because in today's world, you know, the, the kind of the rule of thumb, and you, we all see it all the time, whether we're conscious of it or not, the rule of thumb is if somebody knows 10% more than you, they're the expert, you know? yeah. Yeah, and very often when you hear them talk, they're not really. <laughs> and I totally agree with that. I can't count the number of people that um, that have come to me. As a matter of fact, I have had so many people that I've actually ended up having to turn down on this show because they went out there and they, they approached me as social media experts, yet they had, you know, twenty fans on their Facebook page. And I'm like, Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't make you a social media expert. <laughs> you know, and I can see through that kind of stuff, but I do have to applaud them for trying, and that is a really big thing because I'm looking for somebody who does have more experience and it ha does have that track record because I want to make sure that I'm bringing in the best experts I possibly can to share on the show, but that doesn't mean that there isn't an audience for those people. And so that's something I want everybody that's listening to keep in mind is that just because you do get, you know, you may get turned down in certain areas. I mean, I've had places where I've actually, I've gotten turned down as a speaker or as a guest, um, you know, things like that. I've been turned away by big name people that I felt that I should have been able to make a good connection with. Do you just look at those as experience and it's, it's okay. You know, maybe they're not ready for you right now. But you never know. Something could change. Next month could totally change, and they would be ready for you. Yeah, it definitely happens. And then sometimes people who thought that you weren't ready for them, sometimes it motivates you to dig deeper and do more. And then all of a sudden, you kind of leapfrog past where they are onto bigger and better things. I've had that happen, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely, and I have too. I've, I've actually been in that situation uh, where where people have actually felt that they that I wasn't quite ready, and then next thing I know, they're coming to me asking, you know, almost begging for me to come, you know, speak at their events and things like that. So it happens. And the great thing about that is that, that it's you jumping ahead and, and take those situations. If you ever ever get turned down in a situation like that, take that as a learning experience and say, okay, why did they turn me down and how can I work to be more effective? 
you know, and don't take it as a negative. Take it as a learning experience of this is what I just need to work on, and that's pretty much all you do with it, but you run with it as far as you possibly can. Now, one of the other things that you talk about quite often is, um, you know, you've got several books out there. You've co-authored even many more books, but you use you use books as a piece of, of your branding. Let's talk about how that has really kind of helped you from, you know, as one example is you've got three books you've written yourself, but you've also co-authored. How did those come about? The co-authoring? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that was through Twitter. People love the information I put out. Like we said, those are marketing messages or samples of what you have to offer. And they loved it and felt it would fit into the theme of what they were writing. So uh, I contributed pieces, and I actually learned from the experience because on my third book, Inspired Business, I did the same. I knew the message I wanted to put out about including community service in your business model, and I knew people who um, faced grave circumstances similar to what I did but yet they had their eye on community and built something extraordinary. So I included their stories in that particular book. But I wanted Very to cool. bring up that. a point. And it is, you know, that's one thing to think about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. You said something prior about learning from experiences, so I'd like to reflect for a moment on my first book. It was initially self-published, and whenever an author puts out a book, whether self-published or published by a big house, it's like your your child, your baby. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud. It was out one week, and somebody in our social network said to me in a really ugly voice, well, if your book were any good, a publisher would have picked it up. And you talked about learning from experiences. I, I smiled at him. I said, you're absolutely right but I was thinking he could eat my dust. I hired somebody the next week to represent me at the BEA fair in New York to find a publisher. She came back with 11 leads. Uh, No problem for me to pick up a phone. The first publishing house I called was a medium-sized one. They said yes to my manuscript, and that's the one that became Nice Girls Do Get the Sale, Relationship Building That Gets Results. And... Within just a couple of months, it was featured in Time magazine, translated into several languages, and became an international bestseller, all because I was willing to listen to a very negative comment. Right. I love that, and it is so, so true. It's like you look at... You know, sometimes you get people that are just, you know, they're just not very friendly people. And and you're going to have that, especially as every one of us, as we start growing our businesses and getting our names out there and getting more exposure, you hit that that point of, you know, without, with lack of a better term, a celebrity status of some sort. What ends up happening is you start finding more negative people that are going to just say things like that. And I always look at it in the fact of, you know, okay, can we, you know, whatever they said, is this a valid point in any way, shape, or form, even if we don't necessarily agree with it, or maybe they're just really not a nice person, but do they have some validity to what they said, and if so, what can I do to fix that? And that's exactly what you did, is you said, okay, he may be a jerk, but here's the deal, and uh, you know, you're right, maybe I should try to find somebody, and you went out, you took action, and that produced amazing results for you. Yep, 
Um, I didn't. I wanted to increase the odds of making more sales. And if there was any doubting person out there, I wanted to fix that. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, writing books, getting back to the other question, made a huge difference in people finding me, wanting to know more, and then graduating into other services such as sales training or coaching and speaking on stages. One thing always leads to the next. Right, and I and I love that, and I think that that's a really valid point to kind of talk about too. Is that you know a lot of times when somebody wants to become an author in any way, shape, or form, they they do come with the the conception that their book is going to be you know that that's going to be their money maker. And the reality is that most of the time, the book is not the money maker. The back end products and services like your coaching programs, your training programs, you know, paid speaking gigs, things like that that's where the actual income really is. That's where the money is. The book is the lead-in. It's like the it's like carrot, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, it, it's, um, it's nice when your book sells hundreds of thousands of copies, <laughs> but I was told in reality most authors at best sell a couple hundred books. I've been far more fortunate than that. But, you know, uh, you need a reality check once in a while. But the fact of the matter is it does put you in another category. You become a leader. You're sought after and new opportunities come up. It's easy to say that won't work and not do anything, but then further opportunities will not come your way. So it's best to make do your very best in every way, shape, and form that you possibly can and see what transpires, and then you know which direction to move into that you're enjoying the most. Right. I love that. I love that phrase. With you know, It's easy to say that it, that won't work and not take any action with it. So definitely that is so, so true. And you, you've proven that when you do take that action and um, you know jump on that opportunity that amazing things can happen with it. Now let's talk a little bit. You know, when it comes to sales and marketing, one of the things, a big hot word right now is personal brand. So let's talk about that for a little bit. What are your thoughts and ideas behind a personal brand? It's so funny you say that because when I was first asked to write those weekly articles, I really knew nothing about it. But as I began imagining what it could be and writing about it, it became very clear. It's really everything about you, your values, ideals, what you'll do for business, where you'll draw the line in the sand and not do for business, what's important to you, what brings you joy. That all contributes to your personal brand. And it's really how you view the world and your ethics. And that's what people get from how you express yourself, you communicate, looks you might give, how you dress. I mean, it's just the whole package, as they say, about you, the person. And so that's what, when you develop it well, that's what leads to your credibility and trust and more people wanting to conduct business with you. Would you agree with that assessment? Oh, definitely. I think that 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 is a really, really powerful way to put it and you know it's so funny because literally just yesterday I was teaching a class I do I do some classes um, here locally kind of a community thing um, teaching social media to job seekers 
and I was sitting in class teaching this class yes, just yesterday, and we talked about personal branding and what it really means and how you stand out because as an entrepreneur or as a job seeker, it actually is exactly the same process. Your customer, your client, whether that client be somebody who wants to hire you for your services or an employer that wants to hire you to come work for them, they, they want a personality that's going to resonate with them. It's going to have somebody who has the same values, that is, has got the same kind of personality that they like, those kind of things. It's all the same no matter how you look at it. And in today's world as an entrepreneur, we all have competition in the standpoint of other people who sell the same types of products and services that we do. I, I tend to not like the, the word competition because I don't believe there really is competition if you're doing your job right. But it's not because you just eliminate everybody. It's that you eliminate them from your category because you create your own category from your personality. The products and the services actually are a secondary piece to people just saying, you know what, this person, I so trust them. I want them to be the person to help me out. Wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. And, I, you know, it's so funny you said that because when I was in corporate sales, it was all about the competition and how to outsmart them. Becoming an entrepreneur, I found the importance of collaborating and that when you really think about it, we all have a genetic, different genetic makeup and there's no way two people are completely alike, so therefore there really is no competition. And I thought that was brilliant, a much better way looking at it, and would mm -hmm. encourage collaboration and helping one another. And when you go about business in that route, uh, the opportunities are exponential compared to doing everything alone. And, yeah, um, I, you're absolutely right. Very cool. And I love that because you brought up something that I am very, very passionate about is, is the concept of collaboration and not looking at others as your competition. I've been, I've been preaching that for years of the fact of, you know, don't look at your competition as competition. Look at them as potential collaboration partners because guess what? You're going to have clients that quite honestly are not a good fit for you. You don't want to work with them. They're, they're there, they have money, and they want, they want to give it to you for some reason. What if you could partner up with somebody and send those people over to them that they might be a good fit for? And most of the time, that, that mismatch is more based on personality than it is the product or the service. And so I look at it of, you know, even years ago when I, with my web design company, there were other web design companies that I would basically collaborate with. And I had people who took on bigger, more complicated projects than we did. And I had people that took on lesser or small, you know, mom and pop type projects that were smaller budget things. And then when, it, when a client came to me and they didn't fit into my you know, my mold of what kind of client I wanted to work with, I referred them out to one of those other two people. And they did the same thing for me. I had some people that were doing big projects and they just didn't want to take the middle or, or the middle type projects. And I had some people that were just starting out wanting, you know, that were doing simple, simple things. And they just said, you know what, this is more than I can handle. Let me, fan let me hook you up with Eli. And it worked so well. It does. I have a group of people who I know well. We complement one another in what we do, and so we have a referral system without even thinking about it 
to one another. But I have a very funny story from the corporate days. I agree with you. You have to qualify your potential client because life is way too short. And one day, this woman was just treating me so rudely. I said to her, and I happened to know a very obnoxious salesman at the time. So I said to her, I'm going to have to Mm -hmm. withdraw my offer of help. On the other hand, I think you should call this, this other salesman. I think the two of you will get along well. Well, she apparently did because a month later I got a huge thank you from both of them. In separate notes, mm-hmm. I had a hunch they were dating one another. <laughs> that's one of my favorite oh, stories. Awesome. <laughs> that is, is so funny. And that, and that is so true. It works, it works really well. And sometimes you find that situation where they just end up being a good fit. And that's okay because guess what? Both of those people now have a major trust factor with you. They now love you because you were the person who connected them. And that, and that's a huge, huge plus. That's a win for everybody. And that's what I always look for is when we have a, a referral relationship, we want a win, win, win. You win, I win, and the customer wins. And if Absolutely. we can create that, that's gold right there. Absolutely. That you always want to work for that. Yes, awesome. Very cool. Now you have something that you call the business tripod. Let's you know tell me more about that. Um yeah, there's the personal tripod where it's a belief, vision, and plan. You have to believe you're going to succeed. You have the vision of where you're going to go, and then the plan is put in place, a flexible plan, in case you need to make changes. And the business tripod is to um, really firmly plant your business feet, so to speak, into the ground so you can keep going in many different directions. And it it works beautifully. So with that belief, vision, and plan, that's actually your business tripod, excuse me. The personal is mind, body, and spirit. So when you're the mindset that you're going to be successful, and you exercise your body, you exercise your mind for positive thought, your spirit lifts. And then you come to the belief, vision, and plan. And they all work in unison for motivation to keep on. Even when you hit roadblocks, you're able to get past it and able to see success coming forward and then reset a new plan to keep going. But the important part is to maintain a long-distance vision, perhaps so far out as how you might like to be remembered, how you're going to help people or society, and then continually reset your objectives to get there. Right. I love that. And that is very, very powerful stuff right there because it is simple and it's not complicated. It's, you know, especially when you look at it from a business this point, you know, we are going to hit roadblocks. We're going to have some things that stumble. We're going to have what, you know, the normal folk would call failures. Um, That's normal. That's part of doing business. But when you sit down and you look at that and you have your beliefs, your vision, and your plan, and if you 
stick with that and just know, you know, I, one of the things I'm very, very much of an advocate for is writing those kind of things down. And I think that'd be a great exercise for everybody listening here. Get out a piece of paper and write it down. What's your belief? What's your vision? And what's your plan? What are the things that you have planned on how your business should look? Because when you do that, by writing it down, number one is it actually solidifies in your brain harder and, and more. you're more likely to retain it on a regular basis. But now it's almost like a, it's almost like a legal document, kind of. You know, it's with yourself, and it helps you look at it and go, okay, this is something I've got to stick to this. And you also know where you're going. It also helps you with your your business mental GPS, going from the standpoint of, okay, this is where I'm going. This is what I want. This is my plan behind it. These now I know. Okay, this is where I'm going, so here's the steps I need to take to get there. And if you're going to get off course every once in a while, but that's going to help bring you back. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the more you concentrate on it, remember it, look at it, and see. Keep a chart where you are today, and then every month, the milestones that you're achieving it will motivate you further to keep on going. And then what I do is I encourage people every six months, have a meeting with yourself if you're a solo entrepreneur. If you have part-time or full-time employees, have a meeting with them too and review the past six months. See what you've accomplished, what didn't work out. And for those things that didn't work out, by the way, my word, I Scratch the word failure. That doesn't help anybody. Change it to marketing research. It's your research to learn what did not work well, but now you know, and you can move past it and find something that will work better. Replace it. I love the example of Coca-Cola. They decide they had a wonderful thing going, and then they uh, changed the name. I don't even remember what it was, and it was a huge disaster, and the mark, market on Coca-Cola really fell drastically. So then they yeah. brilliantly came up with Coca-Cola Classic. Right. That was when well they released off. new, that's when they did New Coke, which everybody hated. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Coca-Cola Classic brought it back to where it was and way beyond. So everybody, whether you're big or small, you have these moments and wish, gosh, I, I hope I never do that one again, but you learn from it and move beyond it. So, yeah, having that vision, working out the milestones, looking back to see where you come, celebrate your successes, revise what doesn't work too well, and keep going. And that that's the miracle of it all. One day you look back and think, my gosh, how did I do all that? <laughs> right. No, I love that. And I love the way you've turned that around. We, we don't use you know the word failure anymore. It's just market research. And that is so, so true in just about anything we do. Now, we are getting close to time here. So I want to ask you a couple more quick questions. And number one is, you know, Let's talk about the sales process. If you want to get a meeting with somebody, what is a better way to get that meeting? Uh, well, one of my things is um, to offer to bring coffee in or meet for coffee. You'll be the host. And almost no one ever turns down free food or meeting for coffee. If they don't have time, offer to bring lunch into their office and explain how much time they'll save if you do that and you have a quick meeting over lunch. 
I have always had that work. I've never had it turned down. Right, and that is cool. It's such a simple thing, and everybody talks about having coffee meetings and, and lunch meetings and things like that. But how many people are going to turn you down when you say, "I want to take you to lunch," or "I want to bring lunch to your office"? You know, that way you can just eliminate that whole "I'm too busy" excuse. So I, I love that. It's very simple, very elegant, and you know, if you said that it's never failed you so far, I, I'm sure that everybody else will get some massive results out of it as well. I hope so. Very cool. All right. Well, we are close to time now, so I've got a couple more last, last questions. One question I ask everybody, and that is if there is one action step that people should get out and do right away as soon as they finish listening to this, this recording, what would that be? Follow up with everybody you promised to follow up with. That's where most people fall down. If you don't follow up, you'll never know what the possibilities are. So start making those calls and doing that email, whatever it is that you need to get done. I love it. Matter of fact, I, I call myself follow-up master, and that is definitely ringing the right tone for me. So thank you so much for sharing that one because that, that's, that one hits home more than anything and more than you can possibly <laughs> imagine for me. Very, very cool. This has been a, such a pleasure, so much fun. You shared a ton of great information. I know that everybody listening is going to want to find out more about you. How can people find you online? Thank you. My website is Smooth Sale, and that's S M O O T H S A L E dot net. Please remember the dot net, and my number is 408 209 0550. That's 408 209 0550. If you have any questions about coaching, training, or speaking, or business development, I'm happy to answer your questions. And my email is Eleanor, E L I N O R, at smoothsale.net. Awesome. I love it. And, you know, one thing for everybody listening to this, I want you to pay attention to this because she just made herself completely available to you. She gave you a phone number, an email address, and her website. I've got, you know, we'll definitely put all of that in the show notes here. Come back to the website if you're listening to this in the car and you don't have that information um, handy. Just go back to drivingyourmarketing.com, do a quick search for Eleanor's name, and you'll be able to find it. It'll be all in the show notes. I'll make sure I put that all in there. Thank you so much for joining us today because this was so much fun. I, I, you know, one thing I always like to put out there is this was a blast. I really appreciate you being here. And if there's anything that I can do to help support you, reach out and let me know. Thank you, Eli. It was a pleasure. I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I look forward to hearing from some of your guests too if I may help them. Thank you very, very much. All right. Thank you. And for everybody listening, get out there. Have an amazing week. Thank you so much for, for being here with us. One thing I do like to ask, I, I tend to forget this sometimes, but you know, one thing that's really powerful for us is if you can go to iTunes and leave a review for us. Just by doing that, what that does is that helps actually rank the show a little bit higher and lets more people know about the great, wonderful guests that we bring on the show. So if you could take two minutes to do that, it would mean the world to me. I really appreciate it. And if not, you know, go back and do it on the next episode. That's okay. But definitely, we do appreciate that. Just go to iTunes, do a quick search for uh, Driving Your Marketing, and you can leave a review very, very quick and easy. Like I said, it'll take you no more than two minutes to do. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. Get out there. Have an amazing rock star week, and we will see you on the next episode. Take care. 
Hey there, this is Eli again, and I got a question for you. Do you have a roadmap for marketing your business? If you're consistently looking for new marketing ideas just to keep your business going, then you need to check out smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com and download the free special report that I created to help you create a marketing plan that will thrive in any economy. Again, that's smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com. Go get it, read it, and start the road trip of your lifetime. See you on the other side.